Hello, welcome to episode 6 of the Must Make podcast. Jack here. I hope you're all good. Lockdown is easing, but I'm still indoors, still recording from the front room, so we're high-tech versus low-tech. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode where I answered all your questions, and thank you for sending in your questions. It was quite cathartic and fun, and uh, the feedback's been really nice, so thank you for that. hope you enjoyed getting a little insight into that stuff. Uh, housekeeping at the beginning, as always, make sure you go back and check out episodes one through five if you haven't already. Uh, Alex Perez, D-Bridge, LSB, DRS, uh, and my listener questions episode for the last one. Uh, also, thank you to everyone who's joining the Must Make podcast group on Facebook. It's really cool to see you all in there and have a chat and talk about how we're going to progress the conversation uh, and thank you to those of you who've signed up to patreon um i really appreciate all your support and um there's some other ideas about resources and um value and equity i can give to patrons please um respond and leave you know comments and stuff in the group if you can think of stuff that would be valuable um that i can add to the patron tiers i think that would be a, a great sort of resource potentially for people um yeah so that's there if you can't if you don't feel uh, you want to chip in that's cool all good um it's kind of like socialism uh you all the tiers are the same value uh, they will have the same reward um but there's just differing amounts from like a pound to a five or a month or something like that um and i need to work out the best way to make that work but it's basically just to kind of get things rolling so for episode six, I've got Jeremy Sinistar from the States, uh, born and bred in Detroit, but he's lived all over the place, lived in LA and uh, also in Canada in Calgary, which is where we met in person, and now lives in Denver. He was a great person to talk to about his process. I've known him for many, many years and always loved his music. It's always interesting and always you know exciting to listen to when you get a folder of his tunes because there's just such a diversity of tempos and moods and vibes and stuff and he's just so kind of confident and uh you know well versed in what he's doing he's been doing it a long time full time he's had releases on exit records metalheads and recently on Sherelle's hoover sound it was great to talk to him about his process and about growing up in the states and making sort of quote unquote bass music um you know in a country where it's very different from the UK and Europe, which is what I realised actually having interviewed all the other people I've interviewed so far is all very UK-centric. Uh, we also got into the discussion about race, um, as it's obviously at the forefront of people's thinking at the minute, especially within music and specifically within our little scene, thinking about like changes and um, how we can be more inclusive. And we got into that discussion, how that's informed who he who he decides to work with and uh, kind of what he does really and, and what he stands for and what his, his music's about and who he aligns himself with and that was really interesting and I thought quite interesting to get into so uh, yeah it's been a really amazing episode I've listened to it a few times and edited through um, and I hope you enjoy it let's get into it yo it's actually working how are you? I'm good man good good how's tricks? Things are good, you know, just, uh, I'm here <laughs> <laughs> getting, get, getting through. Are you, have you been outdoors recently? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean like our area is pretty outdoorsy. Is it? it is. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in Denver, so. Uh, yeah, it's pretty like um, mountainy and like spacious out here, so we, we could break out. Yeah, nice. Go to the mountains if we need to, but. But yeah, I'm I'm really glad we managed to sort this. I I realised that we hadn't spoken in ages, other than sort of on I Twitter know. or Facebook. And, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So, what have you been up to, music wise? Um, yeah, just been creating stuff. Just yeah. you know, readjusting pretty much like uh, trying to tie all my loose ends that I've been setting up for the past few years. Now that mm. we had all this downtime, right? So that's that's been kind of like my whole day or my whole days <laughs> is mm. like you know reaching out to people that i've been meaning to reach out to and like writing a bunch of uh yeah writing a bunch of stuff sketching things really just taking my time yeah. on like everything because i have time now so mm. have you got a studio yeah. at home or is it separate yeah yeah i have a full studio like a full, like full studio studio setup so um but yeah um i have yeah i pretty much have like my Mackie set up and then um, a sub pack. So nice. pretty simple. I can keep working. I don't, I don't need to mess with a subwoofer. Yeah. So. My room is literally, I, I'd, I'd moved into a new studio, decked it all out, moved everything in and then was out after a week because of this shit. Oh um, shit. Yeah. So I'm just starting to think about going back myself next week, but maybe with like a mask because they've just said you can travel on trains here now. Well, I didn't want to travel before on the trains, even though they were running, but they said, right, you, right, right. Yeah, they totally. were like, you can travel on trains now if you wear a mask. Because I'm like 10 yeah. miles from my studio, so. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah, not ideal, but hopefully starting to ease back in. Um, Yeah, so the first question I've been asking people is like, if you were to ask like your idol uh, sort of a question yeah. regarding their process, that I'm interested to know what, what part of process, what part of people's process interests you and maybe who that would question would be directed at. And what it would be? Mm, good question. Because I like asking people about particular tunes mm -hmm. and what was going on in their head when they made it. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I usually ask, like, I don't know. It's, I could go down the line of who I could ask, really, honestly. But that's usually the one I go, for, I go to is... Yeah, like, I'll pick a tune and be like, okay, cool, like, the drums in this, like, what were you thinking, like, yeah. making those, like, or, like, where's your headspace? And then sometimes I'll get, like, the craziest answer, like, <laughs> yeah, somebody was like, oh, somebody would be like, oh, I was on a bender for, like, three days and made that randomly in two hours or something. I'm mm. like, whoa! Uh, so, huh. it's cool, like, it's cool hearing different stories about, like, what was going through their head. Like, mm. you know, maybe they worked on it. I have, like, tons of stories where I, like, worked on it for, like, uh, you know, I worked on something for, like, two weeks or something like that and then sat on it for, like, a year and then yeah. came back to it and mm. then, like, finished it in two hours. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have some crazy stuff like that where I, like, um, Garden was like a good one. Um, I I mixed that one down for like I don't know a good six months or something like that, and then like even after that, when it actually got signed, it took me another three weeks to actually like get that right, basically mm -hmm. get all the mix down right and everything on it or to how I wanted to hear it. So. Yeah, that but yeah, that's so. that speaks to like um, disconnection, doesn't it? Because it's like yeah, sometimes when you're in that moment of creating it's hard to be objective. Whereas when you leave it and then come back, like I just found this project the other day of a session that I did with um, 
Dylan from the Upbeats. Okay. Uh, came down to Brighton for one day and we made this tune. I never opened the project again after. Um, and then I just fired it up. The other, I felt I was just going through my projects and having a look what was in there. And it was just like, this is pretty pretty sick I just like and you could just go through and just cut loads of you know be really brutal with the edit because you're not attached to any of it exactly that's super cool exactly so how does your so how does that is that generally how your process works for you like you you do you, do you often have ideas that you go back and finish or do you sort of often roll them out quickly or is it a, somewhere in between um I like sketching like yeah. sketching has always been a thing for me like yeah I like being able to sketch everything like sit there for like a week I do like two weeks on, two weeks off. Mm. So uh, not so much off in terms of like, I'm not making music like mm. these two weeks off. It's more like I'm doing, I'm setting more stuff up. You know what I mean? Like emailing and like just kind of getting in the headspace to do that. But then even in that time, like I'm still sketching more stuff. So when I'm on, when I'm back on for those two weeks to actually like finish everything. Mm. Um, yeah. I have everything like at least set up there um, to, to a point to where i can like flesh out the idea really yeah quickly. nice so i find yeah. it very yeah. difficult to work that way <laughs> yeah i know i'm i'm a little wild with it <laughs> are you do you do you make music full-time because you were working when you were in calgary right um uh, no i was full-time basically there and and here yeah i've been full-time almost next year will be 10 years wow cool mm-hmm. nice so you in those two weeks that you're not working on music stuff or like you know not in that headspace, what are you doing? Um, emailing more people, gaming, right. like l- listening to more music, basically, um, mix, making mixes if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so you differentiate it that way. So it's sort of you're in a creating, creating for two weeks and then mixing. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, cool. just doing the audio, just the audio only side of stuff, and then doing the production side of stuff, like you know, in the uh, following two weeks, basically. That's super regimented. How long have you stick to that? Stuck to that? Uh, a really long time. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You- there's another schedule I follow. Actually, this is really interesting. It's called. Let me see if I can find it. It's called the Maker. Um, if for the late night people's, uh, it's for it's called the Maker Manager schedule. Um, basically, what it is, it's, uh, you do, uh, you basically do all your admin stuff during the day up until about dinner yeah and then have dinner and chill out for a second and then switch over to the production side of things cool. because yeah so for some people it's like nighttime or whatever that mm. they do like the most work but um you can sw- interchange that however you want you know what i mean you can like have like a few hours to do this and a few hours to do that that way there's no separation between you like you know there i mean there's a separation between you like you know, shutting off and creating and then having to deal with, you know, the actual, I don't know, setting up the creation process. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting as well. Is there anything that you do other than the actually switching over time-wise, is there anything that you do like physically in terms of space or like, for example, in the last episode, someone was actually, I was doing like a Q and a, um, where I was answering questions that people had for me. And, um, mm-hmm. someone asked about differentiation of time in, um, and also like, you know, for people that are working at home at the minute, how it's quite, must be quite difficult to switch over into a different mindset to make like a different point. So I wonder, right. like, is that set up differently or in a way for you at home for you to do that? Um, yeah. Like I have my studio space in a different area. I don't put, 
clocks or anything like that there. Wow. Unless it's my computer clock. Okay. Um, because yeah, then I I'll keep looking at the time mm. to see oh where I'm at, where oh I'm maybe I'm moving too slow or whatever. Um, I don't think it should be rushed, honestly. Like unless you really, really, really have a deadline to hit like that day, like mm. I can see. But other than that, like I I don't really like to keep that stuff around. Um because yeah, I don't think there should be a constraint on that. So when are you sleeping? Um, I'm still getting my full eight, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but like, yeah. so what do you, you'll like have dinner at what, like six, seven o'clock, something like that? Yeah, I get up early. I get up like pretty early, like six, seven in the morning. So. It gets really sunny here quickly. Now that we're heading into summertime here. Yeah, but after so. dinner, when do you start working then? Oh, when do I start working after dinner? So like, um, about, yeah, I'd say like eight or so, like seven, eight o'clock okay. or so. And what time do you work till then? um till about two okay so i'll do like but then um during the day i'm usually working on music too if i don't have anything to worry about got you okay so that's on your that's on your like your work week you would work all day and then have some dinner and then maybe go back and do some more in the evening yeah pretty much so i'm like during the in the morning i i the, the maker um the maker manager schedule. I actually yeah. used that when I was doing the exit EP, my right. exit EP. Yeah. Um, and it worked out like really, really well, but I, I stopped doing that after a while because it, it stopped working for me, but mm. I think it can work for anyone. It really worked for like, you know, for a really long time for me. Yeah. I think for yeah. writing periods, that has to be quite a strict, especially if you've got a big project you're working on. Yeah, exactly. It just exactly. has to be a really strict. And also that leads me on to a, a sort of, maybe a potentially thorny question which is like working to that schedule i know how it's affected me but how has it affected like real life not real life but like relationships and other other stuff how how do you fit that in if that's what you're working with well uh i've been single for like a year and a half now so right (laughs) i've been kind of uh yeah i don't know it's just been chill really like um I don't like it's it's a weird question because I don't know I'm I'm to myself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty much kept to myself right now. I mean, it's not nothing weird like awkward or anything like that. But it's no. just like, oh well, I'm, <laughs> sure. okay. I'm by myself, so I have a lot of time to like be able to like you know walk downstairs and like get to work or if I want to like I don't know do a bunch of other things before I start. And, mm. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. I'm pretty much, because that I'm pretty much open and I can pretty much start a music whenever I feel like. Nice. But um, I can say, I mean, even in the past and stuff like that, it, it was sort of a strain, you know, but at the same time, we, we managed to make it work until it didn't. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I think unfortunately it's like, it is kind of a slight affliction if you like doing the things that we like doing music wise um and yeah like that endeavor it's very difficult to balance um, oh it's tough it's been tough but you know what like if you stick with it basically it you know you you see you've seen the results of it i've seen the results of it mm. you know it's just a matter of being like persistent with it if it's something that you like really love yeah but sometimes at the cost of all those other things yeah I, for me it, I feel it's unfortunate that. yeah that's unfortunate but you know um 
Life goes on, I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's weighing up like priorities, and uh, my priorities have shifted since my younger years. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, it's just wrestling with that all the time, I guess. Um, totally, totally, totally. It's tough. It can, well, it can be really tough, I find. Um, yeah. Oh, 100%. I think, like, you know, my move into Calgary, too, it was like, man, I'm like, just turning 30. I was like, I, I was just about to turn 30. I was like, I'm not staying in my parents' house for another year or something. I was there for like three years before. Sure. I was in California before that. Mm-hmm. But then, um, so you yeah. moved around quite a lot in the States, right? Yeah, I moved to a couple different places, yeah. but then like, yeah, I moved back to Detroit for a bit, mm-hmm. and then went to Canada, went back to Detroit for like a few months, and then I was like, you know what, let me come out to Denver. Yeah. I, I've been out here for like a few years now. Oh, I've been playing here for like almost nine years now. Yeah. Is that, that's and, where Black Box is, right? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, I remember so, that scene. It was it was cool. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I uh, quite an interesting... I guess an interesting angle that I thought of in terms of our conversation was most of the people I've spoken to, in fact, all the people I've spoken to so far are British, have been British. Um, Ah, Darren obviously lives in Belgium now, but I still think of him as like living in North London somewhere. Um, And you know, he's, his, his roots are England anyway, let's say that. So I, I wonder how like, I didn't really get into it with them and I guess it was probably because I just didn't consider it which is silly on reflection but I like how your surroundings have impacted your the way what you make I guess because it's it's yeah. I was thinking about like your music and it's it's tough to put it in a box because your what you make is so diverse in tempo and in sort of what what it actually is you know like it's yeah, traverses so many different um genres but also styles and so i wonder like how american underground or club music if that had any yeah. if that had any impact or if it was just were you were you focused more on like, i hate to make this like a uk centric thing but your 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 music's like your music is like it fits into a uk box in a certain way yeah in the sense that you've I, worked with lots of uk labels but yeah mm-hmm. so i guess i think like well i think like yeah all that music for me, like if you look at jungle, you look at like American club stuff, like Baltimore Club and Footwork and Ghetto Tech and Juke and like all that stuff. Like they lived, they had pretty parallel universes. Mm. I mean, if they pretty interchangeable universes, if you really think about it. So I don't know, kind of like going back and doing the history on it at such an early age as well. Um, uh, my parents were like listening to house music on the radio and shit like that in Detroit. You know? Like I was listening to house music on the radio in Detroit. It was there, like all the club music and stuff. Like they used to play like um, I always tell this story, but they used to play. Um, they used to broadcast from the club from <sighs> I think like eight to midnight on Sundays at this place called Legends. And it was like a thousand people deep every Sunday because they wanted to be like at the club. And then like the recordings are. Yeah, it's like ghetto tech and drum and bass and like house and like they're playing all sorts of stuff. I just got a bunch of recordings from a friend of mine that had uh, like old Jeff Mills mixes for sure. one of the local radio stations. And like when people think Jeff Mills, they just think this big room like 909 techno. Like, yo, he used to play a lot of crazy records. He used to break a lot of crazy records. Mm. He was talking like 1989, 1990, and they're playing like these old, he's playing like Voodoo Ray on Detroit radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that, um, 
comes from, you know, we were looking at DJs and kind of telling them telling us like what the hot shit was, you know. Um and even then it wasn't in them like shouting out track IDs and shouting out records. It was like, no, you just heard it on the radio and then you just heard it a lot on the radio. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it yeah. was just like, oh, you just heard that too. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that's ghetto tech. That's like, you know, oh Godfather plays that or Zap plays that. You know what I'm saying? Like so a lot of that style of music. And I spent a lot of time in Baltimore as well. Um, so yeah, you add a lot of that ethos to it. A lot of you know, and I was in DC as well. Um, yeah, there's tons of club music out there, and a lot of that club music is like pretty black, and it's a completely different world. They were already like making dance music, but like they were making dance music for like their neighborhood. Mm. You know, mm. they were making dance music for the club, for their clubs, for their like spaces and stuff. And that's what I grew up around. So um, when I found out about Jungle and Drum and Bass. And realized that it was literally the same damn thing I grew up up the street with. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. is cool. And then I looked at who was on top. And I was like, these people are black, just like the people at home. Mm. And then later on down the line, I ended up meeting some of the techno people, you know, and mentioned that I play drum and bass. They're so like, oh, I love Fabio. That's my homeboy. I love so so so. That's my homeboy. And I go back to Fabio. And he's like, oh. I love Kevin Saunderson. We were, <laughs> like, he invited me down to Detroit, 98. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I don't know. All this stuff that I loved has been, like, getting connected. Or there's some connection to, like, everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to everything that I'm dealing with now. So it's it's really, uh, it's always kind of been an influence in terms of American dance music. I've I've actively been seeking that out since i've like started this whole thing yeah. pretty much um there's so, a, yeah there's a i don't know whether we should go we, no we should actually um yeah with um what you just said yeah how like and the debate that's going on at the moment um with regard to sort of whitewashing of genres mm-hmm. and club music and stuff like that how, how what's your feeling about about that and about um, sort of where things are at, I guess, um, more broadly. It's it's hard to sort of nail it down because there's still sort of subgenres and stuff where... I'm simply going to say that uh, this is what I've been talking about for, like, since I started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been on that wave since I started. I've seen it. And I told another podcast this, actually. I was like, don't think that I wasn't looking in the mirror this entire time we've been partying. <laughs> sure. Like I know exactly what's going on. I knew exactly what was happening. Like I'm watching a lot of people scramble right now for stuff that, you know, I already like kind of like put my foot down on. <laughs> yeah. To to say the least, you know. Um, but you know, a lot of people are I'm seeing a lot of the same people like putting their foot down and like, you know, uh, stopping um stopping some of these people at the top from causing any more damage. So, yeah, it's it's a lot, like I said, it's a lot of, I don't know, it's a lot of what I've talked about with my, like, Black counterparts and, like, in in dance music in general. Like, you know, you, you see Chris out here. Like, you see Chris in perspective out here. Like, he's not saying anything we haven't had, like, dinner over, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's not. Everyone's like, wow, I had no idea. I'm like, dude, I had all the ideas. Like, he told me the ideas. Like, he told me, like, everything that was going down, you know? Mm. Like, like, I don't know. No one's low here. <laughs> no one's like, no one's like, oh, you know, there, there isn't anyone that I haven't seen pop up that I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, this person's, like, new, new. Like, you know, uh, there's always, like I said, it's all connected. Everything kind of traces back to some something or someone. You know, so it's, I don't know, it's interesting to kind of see this, I don't know, everyone's talking about it now. Yeah, there's a certain awareness, I would say, it's like... Yeah, people are aware of yeah. it, but like, what are people going to do about it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still here after, like, 13 years yeah. of me putting out records, right? But yeah. like, I don't know, I, I'm still, in, I feel like I'm still going to be here even after the conversation. Mm. You know, and I mean, like, after not this conversation now, but after this debate that we're having right now, you know what I'm saying? Um, but if, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird debate because I'm like, yeah, this is like a lot of what, like I said. <laughs> yeah, it's always <laughs> and like, I'm seeing, welcome to the conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, for the fact that for, someone like Fauzi is saying it, right? Like, that's important. Like yeah. for her to say it, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, if I, cause I like, I'm a lot, I'm a little older. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people see me and then like kind of given my, uh, uh, release record, I would say, um, a lot of people think I'm like much older than huh. <laughs> what I, you know, I'm 34. No, but so. you've got, ye- no, but you've got years on your belt of, um, yeah, exactly. You know. Then, so a lot of people like think that I'm like almost 50. Like, mm. <laughs> I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I still have the same set of problems. Like, fuck, you must have been young when you released your first record, then. Yeah, it was uh, 22, 21 yeah. or 22. Mad. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. wow. I think I read somewhere. I can. I think it may have been where, like, with friends on Facebook or Twitter or something, that you said that you've made conscious effort to align yourself with black-owned businesses or like labels and your agency. Is that yeah. right? Mm. it's been that way like it's mm. been that way like for a while forever really because like i said when i first saw it you know when i first was getting into drum and bass or like getting deeper into it because mm. like it was like 2001 or 2002 when we had all the peer-to-peer stuff like Kazaa, bear share yeah Wire, all that good stuff um yeah no i was just like looking up mixes and i kept looking up these mixes and you know moppy swift would pop up and like all these other faces and i'm like wait these are all black faces i'm like this is this is interesting mm. <laughs> and then i got into like renegade hardware and stuff like that and then it turns out they're black owned and i was like wow but it wasn't like i was like actively looking i was to looking for a google image search to see who runs renegade hardware you know what i'm saying it just happened to be yeah all this just happened to be and I was like, oh, well, this is dope. Like, you know, you have people that look like me at the top mm. doing, yeah, doing this stuff. And I like this music and I want to make it, you know. So, yeah, I just kind of, that's kind of how everything, like, it just happened mm. that way, you know. It always just happened that way. And I mean, like, growing up in Detroit is kind of the same deal because, you know, everybody around me is black. The city's like 83% black. Like, you know your doctors lawyers you know dentists whoever like yeah they'll probably be black owned so kind of like comes with the territory for me to like look for that or to look for that kind of in passing Hmm. 
but uh, somehow I end up keep finding it. So yeah, <laughs> I have to like the shameful admission that I make. I, I've had to make to myself is that mm. I've been really aware that there's been. I, I, yeah, just like more and more people that look like me, so just like white blokes, right? Who are at the who are kind of leading or like are the face of, um, and it's I've been aware of it, but it's only when this discussion's really focused in on very specifically our scene um, mm-hmm. that I've brought that more into my thinking about the general homogenization of club and specifically drum and bass music and our club nights and what I what I think about what's making things a bit boring um, in terms of like ticket prices are too high because fees are too high I think and that yeah. excludes a certain percentage of people who would make the demography and like breakdown of the people who are in a venue to have an experience far more interesting than just people who can afford to pay an inflated ticket price. Exactly. And exactly. This, I think the reason why I'd thought a bit of it probably more broadly and oh, like shamefully outside of the constructs of, or the idea of, of like race and uh, representation, it was more just about creating an environment where everyone was welcome and we could appeal exactly. to like met, uh, women, uh, gay men, trans people, like all inclusive. Yeah, that was that was kind of the mindset I had going in, and mm. then my I was like, "Holy crap! Like this, this isn't like this is not happening." <laughs> yeah, and it, but it used to. And I have to say, like the times that I've played in America, there's been certain times I've played in certain cities where I've thought, "Fuck me, this is probably what drum and bass used to be." So you've got, like, I think I remember I played a really small club in Atlanta, and it was just like, "Oh my god!" The 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 sort of breadth of people that were in there so it was like 50 60 year old biker dudes with big white beards and leathers and then right through to like women in like like daisy not daisy what am i trying to say um (laughs) no just like uh what are they called fuck fairy outfit fairy outfits and it was just so broad and you know all sorts of different people all sorts of like you know just diversity basically in a room um, and I remember thinking to myself then, I was like, shit, it's just not like this really um, at home or, or like in Europe. Um, so I'm I'm like really intrigued by the fact that we're now having the conversation and I'm intrigued to see uh, and try and be part of what's going to change and, right. and like right, what right. that can look like. Because yeah, I, I just think like in terms of like actioning something that can actually make a difference, if I think if you think macro, it's not going to do anything, but but micro, we can control I that think, a bit. Yeah, I think it's just like a matter of just like getting the promoters to like book in that manner, especially mm-hmm. here. I mean, like oh, everybody wants to book from your side of the pond, right? Like right. everybody wants to book the acts from your side of the pond, but then like, yeah, I'll go to these shows. I've been to all these shows, but then like I see who's playing next to me. Yeah, usually a white dude. Yeah. Um, but you know, like stall me or whatever. But at the same time, like I'm like, uh. <laughs> mm. I can see more faces. Like I want to see more faces. But it's cool. Like my agent been, and my agent and I talk about this like all the time, just about how much there's like a weird lack of diversity, and then like where that lack of diversity is, mm. they're still playing music from like black culture and shit. It's like, well. 
Yeah, it's like you could just get somebody from, you could just get a black person to do that. I mean, I've mm-hmm. played shows that were like, oh, you know, the whole demographic was all world world music, quote unquote, which I term I absolutely hate. Um, because all the music is in the world, so I don't know why you call it <laughs> <laughs> world music. Anyway, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I played and no one was there. I was like, uh, that's weird. But then, like, they'll book, you know, kind of a white act that plays dance hall and shit. And it was absolutely packed. Like, you know, people jumping off the rafters and shit, you know. It, wow. It's weird. Yeah, wow. but it's, it, I mean, the demos for a lot of these places, those are the people who are listening to this music. I mean, it's mainly white folks. And then that's kind of the thing that we're trying to, like, I'm trying, like, at least I've been doing, like, in my whole everything, I've been trying to kill that, like, yeah. idea, that mentality, like, okay, well, yeah, it started with Black Roots, but, you know, yeah, it branched out, a lot of people play it, a lot of other people play it, you know, a lot of other groups of people, like, celebrate it and stuff, but, yeah, if you don't pay attention to the history of it, I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, are you mm-hmm. there? What are you there for? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it. It's not, oh, always book the history, because then now you look like you're just doing a money grab. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but it's like, get some, you know, mix it up. Get some old people, get some new people. Mm. Like, I would get booked, like, I was getting booked, uh, I got booked a couple of years ago with, uh, what's his face? Uh, DJ Rum. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's cool. Like, and I played in Seattle, I think, for that show. And that show is dope, because, like, the guy who runs it, it's black dude, like, you know the 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 club that runs it like is always about booking like super diverse people. Monkey Loft, as it is uh, in Seattle, it's oh, called Cremwork. What am I thinking of then? Where's Monkey? Oh, not Monkey Loft. That's where's that? Oh, uh, Monkey Loft in Seattle. Oh, it is yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, okay. I mean, even there, even there, like when I was playing shows there, like I still had a pretty like diverse crowd of people, mm, a very mm. open crowd of people, which was nice because like, yeah, I mean, like Seattle's like mad white. So, mm. you know, for, but there's, there's a, um, installed group of people that are super diverse that really enjoy that, enjoy drum and bass and really enjoy dance music. So, yeah, I mean, that's just one example. I mean, well, but then I'll go somewhere, you know, we'll play like stamina. You seen stamina. Yeah. Like stamina is just like United Colors of Benetton pretty much. Right. <laughs> like everybody's there. Yeah. Everyone's there. So, yeah, I mean, it, I see it like I've played across the US, played across Canada. I get the territory of things, you know? Well, you know, like I know there's not going to be a lot of black people in this area, right? Going in <laughs> when I go to a place. Mm. But, you know, I'm like, I don't know how my my idea in my head is like, how far are they going to go with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Am I gonna walk into a fucking rap show? Or am I gonna walk into like Yeah, I'm gonna walk into a suburban rap show? Am I gonna walk into like up's place? They're like, all right, bet, like you're here, we love your music, like, you know, we want to make you feel as comfortable as possible as a musician and not like some token gesture of booking you. You know what I mean? And that's not been the case with me where I've been booked as some token gesture, like at all. Um since I've been DJing. So um yeah. yeah most of the people like all the promoters been hitting me up they're like no we like what you do we want you to come mm. through you mm. know not oh we need to book a black guy so <laughs> here you are yeah like nothing like that 
sort of it, it's been um yeah right, it's going to be really right. interesting basically to see what the reaction is and how yeah how people try and solve this um yeah because i think like i can only speak for myself but i i see like one side of it is that if you don't feel represented by the people at the top why would you feel included if you you know if you went to a club and there was no one who looked like you you might feel a bit or no one Nailed performing it. yeah you, you know and Nailed but it. then but then how do you but then how do you bring people a diverse selection of people through to be the ones who are on the stage if they right. never get through the door in the first place because they right. don't feel represented so it's um on that i want to shout steve fury out here in denver mm -hmm. because i don't think i've been in the same room as the noisia guys before mm -hmm. but uh it wasn't until he was like hit me up he was like hey i need somebody to like book me or to to play to open up for noisia like are you down mm. and i was like yeah i mean it's up the street you know here in denver yeah and so yeah no popped in played an hour he walked in heard me and he was like yo this is dope hit tyson i've been talking since then you know Wicked. that but it's like you know things like that need to happen it's like mm -hmm. yo steven booked me because i was like a black dj or whatever no he booked me because it's like he knows me he knows what i do yeah and did it right um yeah it's a lot of the people that have been doing that for me like that's the case you know mm -hmm. and i want that same opportunity for people and like with that being said right like i played the set everybody was into it i get a message on instagram the next day from this guy um He's like, yo, uh, I didn't realize that there were like, you know, a lot of black folks in DMB until I saw you up on the stage. And then he did his research on me and shit. He's like, yeah, I love your tunes and stuff like that. And I was like, yo, shouts to you, man. Because like, it that's the stateside mentality. There's just like, you look at who's on the top in terms of stateside stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's been mainly white folks. So, yeah, but. I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to see the shift now um, where, yeah, the black people that are here um, making drum and bass and making like fast tempo dance music are getting the recognition that they're looking for. But yeah, like I say, like you were saying, it's important for to see that though. It's like I, you know, I'm hitting some of these newer black artists up and they're like, whoa. And I'm like, See, that's kind of dope, though. <laughs> that that's like if that is your reaction for me talking to you. And I think if it's, I think if it's as, yeah, I mean that some of the things I've been thinking about are like simple, like making sure you're sending your music to a really broad group of people, like first yeah. straight off the bat. So you're giving people always because if like there's so much equity in new music, and if yeah. you can give some of that to people who are sick at what they do um yeah. but maybe don't get as much recognition or haven't quite built a platform then you yeah. can you know that's that's the first and most simple one i think is just from people who are making music our sort of music where have it, to everyone yeah and just keep it really diverse because um, you never know you never knows might be playing it exactly i went to a i went to a techno party with uh truncate we ended with that uh hospital soon the what was it the police and helicopter one oh, okay yeah so yeah he ended with that one and then uh yeah i walked up to him after it was like six in the morning and i was like pretty lit and i was like yo 
I'm saying, let me let me send you some other stuff other than that one. <laughs> that, that one you just played. <laughs> but yeah, so I gave him, he shot me his email and stuff and, you know, just send him that stuff. But yeah, like, you know, you want to get it. I want to be able to like get stuff out to those types of people, you know. Um, it's been cool. Kind of my remix schedule my for the past few years has been mainly for techno artists and like house artists and stuff. Mm. So it's been interesting, like seeing like those types of folks like actually into it. Cause I've been talking with them for a while, with a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of my techno friends, but they didn't know how to like navigate that because, you know, what's the argument? The tempo is too fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that has always been the argument, but I'm like, well, it's just pretty much what you do. Look at all the autonomic stuff, right? Like that we were all doing. Like, mm. I mean, it's, it's literally just that. I mean, I played with Stingray last year uh, doing that. Like, you know, Stingray played his set, and then I played after him and played an autonomic set. So, like, all the techno people were like, I've never heard anything like this ever. <laughs> I was like, this is from 2009. What are you talk about upfront music all the time. Mm. I'm like, this, this is like, you literally missed this by 10 years. Wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think because of the, because it probably was so part of that drum and bass thing lots of people overlook it because they're just they wrote exactly. everything into that sort of yep. thing yeah that was exactly it so yeah mm. that's like pretty much the whole gist of it really it's like yeah as you said just send it out to everyone you never know like i had dj shadow playing one of my tunes just because wow. i had his email you know i was like all right <laughs> i'm like that's who i can reach who else can i reach you know with with that, I guess that kind of leads into another section I want to talk about. I mean, we haven't mm. actually talked about your process, but we will do that. I think let's do that after this. Um, yeah. With um, sending music out to people, like, how, how do you deal with that? Like, not just I mean, sending to other DJs and people that you want to play your music, but like when it comes out into the world, like how do you deal with critique? And, and also, I guess, to row back a tiny bit behind that is like, when do you know it's finished and ready to send to people? And then how does that sort of impact the the feedback you get? And and how, I guess, like, twofold is like, how tuned in are you to feedback of your music? And does that impact, like, how you feel about what you're going to do next or whatever? And also, like, getting to that point, do, do, do you struggle with letting go from what, with what, um, letting go of what you were working on? Um, well, to answer the last question first, um, definitely not. Like, I'm cool with, like, sending my stuff out and, like, yeah, when it's ready, it's ready. Like, mm -hmm. when things are, you know, sounding right, I like to do the stereo mono thing. Mm. Make sure it sounds good in stereo. Make sure it sounds good in mono. They both translate kind of equally. Um, yeah, once that's good. Once that mix is good, I pretty much can send it out to whomever. And I use, like, everything. Like, whatever I've furthered my conversation with you on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're already sending me links, links on Twitter, then we'll do links on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You're emailing me stuff, I'll email you stuff. I'm pretty flexible. You know, we all come from the AIM days, so. Mm. So, yeah, we all come from the instant messenger days. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's easy for me to just message people and just email out things. And do you find, so. like, critique difficult? Do you ever read your own reviews? Oh, yeah, I definitely do. But no, I don't, like, honestly don't. Like, I don't take it to heart because 
I'd be done, I think. <laughs> if I was like fretting over every single record that I've like put out, you know. But I think um, I think the breadth of what you make actually does speak to a like confidence in what you're doing because I, I think I'd struggle to put out stuff that wasn't I mean I think within the spectrum of drum and bass, I've always made quite broad stuff, but certainly not so much outside of that. And I feel like yeah. that, that unpredictability of what this thing might be, I guess actually the label that it comes on can sort of speak to. Yeah, I think the true level of polarization that I think I've ever achieved was, was or where I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, was the Metalheads release. Yeah. That was like 2011 or so. And obviously, Dogs on Acid was a thing. And oh boy, <laughs> what was it about that? Oh, no. um, someone had posted a link and then started with the opening line was, and it's funny too. Before I say this line, because he like champions my stuff all over YouTube, um, he goes, "Oh, I don't like this at all." And then it's just like, "I like it. I don't like it." Like literally, it was fifty-fifty. Yeah, right down the middle. And I've never had a track that was ever 50-50. But you, then part of me, yeah. Do you, do you try me, and do that? No. No. No, I'm just making stuff, right? Yeah. Like, and people are either really into it and then people are like, but this one, this one was like particularly crazy because I was like, damn, I'm like up until that point, I didn't really see crazy negative reviews, but it was like, uh, good, but not my thing. <laughs> Which is like, hey, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, this one was like, uh, either, mm. oh, this is on Metalheads, oh, gross, or, oh man, this is so different, Metalheads is amazing, mm. like, da-da-da-da. So I, I just, you know, me being younger, it's like, you know, it's kind of my first big record, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. It was trippy to, like, I don't know, actually see honest reviews like yeah. that. For- but I think also to, to, like, evoke a strong reaction one way or the other is just, is almost better than just people being like, eh, it's all right. I think, I think to, and I just, yeah, not that I, I, I like, I think I said in the episode before when I was answering someone's question, but I saw this like, um, what's his name? Rick Rubin thing where he said like, he, he said something like you, you don't serve your audience best. You, sorry, you serve your audience best by ignoring them. So it's yeah. like, cause if you, if you're just tuned into what people are feeding back, then you're just going to sort of make more of that i don't know exactly and, and yeah not... you're wrapping your head around one record mm. and it's like well okay are you one record or are you like a whole body of work mm. you know like are you was this your lead up like i i kind of kind of th- think of it to people that play festivals mm. or for like for, for the first time like they're so excited they finally play it and it's like all right well what are you gonna do after that yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm like you did it like you hit the top but like, you have to like go down the mountain Mm. you know like yeah at one point <laughs> and you have to figure out what's after that or go to the higher peak you know so it spotify yeah. gives that horrible feedback loop as well because um the ones for example the most musical stuff i've done as workforce has always done best on their same as spectra soul really actually the um yeah. yeah the the tunes that are more like musical quote unquote um yeah. always get more listens and so that feedback loop sort of means that people might be looking at that and go, okay, so people like that one more than this right. one. Whereas like heavier tunes that DJs play and sell more actual downloads, not streams, get very few streams at all. Yeah. And it just it if you're too in tune to that, it kind of fucks with your um your thinking about what you should 
do. Yeah, next. completely, completely. Yeah, yeah. So I think having a whole, I don't know, having that idea of like being able to songwrite thing or write songs for like, you know, both the club and to listen to mm. is like really important. But yeah, even with those club tunes, I like them. At least make them so that they're a bit musical. Yeah, so they're digestible at home. Like, there's things about them that are... Yeah, not, like, watered down or anything like Mm. that, but, like, just some of the music I grew up... Well, a lot of the music I grew up with was at the club, and then, like, we were listening to it at home anyway. Like, especially... A lot of local stuff, a lot of local Detroit stuff. Not so much just the house, your standard house and techno fair, but, you know, all the ghetto tech stuff and everything. Like, you Mm. put it on your house party, your cookout, whatever. Like... That's kind of where I, where my head lies in terms of writing tracks and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. like that middle split where you can do you can do a lot of active things <laughs> like that. outside the club with it, you know. Yeah. So what <laughs> yeah. does let's I guess let's let's try and get into the nitty gritty of what it looks like for you then to work. Um, do you do you um do you always work the same in terms of like when you sit down and. Are you, are you purely in the computer, or are you slump some outboard and other bits as well? Um, I'm kind of like I'm mostly in the box mm. because I have a bunch of like native stuff, native mm. instrument stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, um, I have um, yeah, for outboard, it's a lot of the handheld things. Like, um, I have like this tiny bleep drum. It's called from cool. Bleep Labs. It's really nice. I wrote, uh, yeah, I wrote some stuff off the Exit EP with like some of those, some of those drum hits and stuff. Cool. And uh, yeah, like other than that, no, it's just pretty much like in the box. And when I sit down and work, it doesn't matter. Honestly, yeah. I just make like whatever I need to sit down on. And do, you just, I, do, you, do you just sit down and start or do you have to be in a certain yeah. mindset or like, are you one of those people where it's like you just put yourself in the seat in the best position to work and hope that something happens or do you just only yeah. work when? Pretty much that, like pretty much the first part, like mm-hmm. I'm just sit down and see what happens, see what comes up with, and you know, uh, have everything. I just have everything set up and ready to go, so where I can just hit a switch and then you know, mm-hmm. um, get to where I can jam out or whatever if I need to. And do you find like, um, are you are you one of those people that gets into what they call like flow state, or do you? Yeah. You, yeah. So where like <laughs> yeah. the t- like like you said, where you don't have a clock in the studio, yeah. you can just find like when you do check it, it's like okay, five hours have gone, and I I somehow have a tune, but I don't know where that time's gone. Oh man, sometimes sometimes I'll look up and it'll be like only thirty minutes. That's how fast I'm <laughs> like coming to a point. So that's why I'm like, that's why I don't have clocks in there. That's why I'm clocks in my room. I'm like, I work really quickly. Mm. I'd rather be working quickly in that flow state than mm. going okay, five minutes, ten minutes. 20 minutes yeah hour i got an hour you know like unless there's i have like unless i absolutely have to be on deadline um that's that's the case then but other than that like yeah i try to keep it out of there because i do work quickly and i don't want to i feel like if i do look at it too then i'll just get lazy yeah because i'm like oh great okay i did that in 30 minutes i'm gonna go watch a movie for like two hours yeah 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 that so do you work better on a deadline or do you work better when you just sort of no time to uh, stick both. To. Yeah, both. I'm both. That's like I'm really all around with it. Like if you give me a de- if you give me a deadline, I do work a little bit faster, but it's no different than me working like and getting the track done. Because I I like to like I said I like to have the two weeks to be able to like not yeah nice 
Yeah. I find I find yeah. if I don't have a clear run, so if like for example I've got I've had gig like not that we have any at the minute, but say I've had a gig Saturday Sunday in yeah. Europe, and then you get home late on a Sunday, I probably won't go studio Monday. I might just do some admin crap. Yeah. And then you have another yeah. gig on the Friday, for example. I've only got three days in the middle there. And sometimes yep. I just don't get started because I'm like, well, I've only got three days, so you know, what's mm-hmm. the point? And and I, yeah, I'm just better when I've got a clear run in front of me, almost like no gigs. Yeah, um, exactly. So there's almost a big part of me now that wants to get stuck into a proper project and get back to the yeah, studio. Yeah, I mean, like when I was playing last year and stuff like that, or when I was playing leading up to this, like, yeah, I had some. I I deliberately had gaps in between things, so I can be like, okay, cool, let me sit down. All right, boom, my bills are sorted. Whatever. Mm-hmm boom boom and then i can chill for like two three weeks until the next gig yeah and then yeah go do that so i try to keep my like i don't know i've come to a point to where i can like limit things limit gigs and stuff like that to actually be sit down and work but for those that are like you know for those cats that are still traveling like listening to this and stuff like that or like you know still having to go and travel a little bit more like yeah it's try to like schedule that time that you want to do i mean that that turns into saying no to things and stuff like that yeah. so but you know if it's for the sake of like you writing sitting and writing music i mean that's where that i mean that's where you start asking for budgets and stuff to, to come into play as well so so you yeah. can actually be able to sit down and work on those things so. and what um Important. what do you like do you have any sort of tried and tested i'm sure you don't because no one seems to um <clears throat> tried and tested things that you can do when you hit a brick wall and nothing's happening? Mm, there's a few things, actually. Like, definitely go outside. Okay. <laughs> definitely, like, go walk around. Like, take a breather. Do anything other than sitting down and trying to make that track. Mm. Honestly, I would basically, like, I, I pick up the sticks and start gaming and stuff like that for a little bit and well because i play like a lot of old stuff right and a lot of older games like nes and things because you can pick up i can pick those up play them for a little bit and then drop them i don't need to be there for like four hours doing the same repetitive thing right sure so it can be addicting but at the same time i'm like oh okay good i think an hour an hour and a half or whatever is enough time um but yeah i think that's important like it sounds like you don't struggle with uh, writer's block very often. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, sometimes, yes and no. Like it, it comes and goes really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like. I think that's like where I have. That's why I like remix a lot of things. Yeah, I like to like have the actual productions like few and far in between now mm. because. I think I had enough out there for for so long that you know when I actually like put stuff out, it can like count. It can yeah, hit. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think also, I guess, with the fact that you don't make one tempo, it means that if you are like I've I've had this before, where I'm if I'm bored with drum and bass stuff, I can start writing something at something at a different tempo, and then often yeah. that will turn into a drum and bass tune, even though it was written at like totally different tempo. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. just be, but only because. I don't think of I for me and only for me I can only speak for me and I don't mean this about any stuff that you've made that's not drum and bass I just mean that it doesn't have as much value to me if it's not in a uh, a it's not like a utility to me 
unless yeah, it's no, time-based, you. you know? Yep, yep, um, yep. Yeah, because I totally hear that. I'm just not set up to play anything but that in the gigs yep. that I play over here. And it's yeah. not... The, the crowds here are just not as open-minded in terms of... Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like a, playing right across the board, you just... Yeah, they don't want that. Yeah. They don't want that. That's... I, I get it, yeah. It, it's... Yeah, because it's much different here because... Mm. Dance music is now becoming a normal thing. Yeah. Um, it always used to be a subculture, a subcultural thing, you know, like oh, for a very long time, you know, especially with just how culture shifted with um, just the world events over the American events happening in the past, I don't know, 20, 19, 20 years or so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, now that, but actually, it's funny living here in Denver. Uh, two things happened that kind of uh, changed everything. It was happening in 2012, and it was Skrillex and weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once Skrillex blew up here in the states, I mean, pretty much everyone jumped and followed suit. You know, um, everyone was into dance music all of a sudden. Hmm. Everyone was into uh, yeah, going to raves and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it. Uh, it has a lot to play, you know, you have a lot of stuff to play for a lot of different people. But at one point in time, it was pretty much the same deal. It's like, no, those kids wanted to go hear EDM, period. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to hear, like, the mainstream dance because they didn't know any better, right? But now you're starting to get this, like, group of people that were listening to that stuff and are gaining more knowledge about the actual thing. But it's it's no different than when we were listening to dance music, right? Like, I was bumping trance records <laughs> early on because I didn't know any better, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, what's this about, right? Like, anything dance music, anything with 4-4, I was touching, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that type of deal. But this is kind of the same, I don't know, ethos where it's like, all right, well, these kids are listening to, like, this weird music that we know that isn't our cup of tea, is like, for, per se, but they're going to stop listening to that and look for something else. Mm. So... You know, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah it's, it's important. How how does like you making your art uh, come into contact with like trying to make a living? Do you ever find there's a bat like that you're towing a balance between sort of making stuff that's going to help you make a living? Like how how does it kind of work for you? Like the fact that it has to work in the market, so to speak. Um, I've definitely been grateful for the fact that like people have been hitting me up to work. Mm -hmm. um, that's been a very big game changer as opposed to when I was first starting out. I just had to knock on every door. Yeah, You know, people are hitting me up on that. So I'm grateful for that in that sense. So that's kind of like, uh, that's been my basis, honestly. Like, people, like I said, people have been hollering and we've been setting up budgets and things like that. So there's a couple things like, if it's if they're bigger things as well, mm. um, I'll take those to you know to do the, the bills and stuff like that. But at mm. the same time, like I'm sitting down and making it. Like I'm gonna make it in the way that I know how to make things. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, cool. Just give me this acapella. Let me just speed it up and add a drum break behind it. Because <laughs> yeah. I've heard so many. I've heard too many remixes like that. You know mm. what I mean. Like, there's just way too many out there like that. So, I don't know. For I grew up in an era where it's like, oh, you know, get a 
you get the remix on the the single, it comes sounds completely different mm. than the actual you know the actual track, the actual original track. So, um, yeah, no, like with that said, it's like yo, I'll, I'll take you know when, whenever I'm taking these projects or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I'm still making it the same way. I'm still doing the same thing. Is yeah. It just helps. <laughs> it yeah. just help, it helps with the film. But also, you know? I guess, actually, given what we've discussed about like the breadth of uh, genres and styles that you've made, it seems that you're not at odds because sometimes I find produ- like certain producers, I've definitely been there when I've been hard-pressed for dough, um, is you make a certain type of record expecting to make or trying to make enough money to pay your bills i certainly yeah. found that towards the end of living in london it was just very difficult and i remember like our manager at the time just smashing it out of the park in terms of getting us good remix opportunities um yeah and that was the only thing keeping us in our houses you know um yeah so there's a there's like for me there's like a certain purity that i want to keep about what i do but i'm aware that if i was totally pure then it wouldn't be um palatable to to the degree that i could pay my bills um you know that's that's a tough one Um, yeah leverage is important honestly mm. in all of this you want to have the good leverage to be able to like uh yeah to be able to pick and choose and stuff like that um Mm. yeah pick and choose what your what your projects are and what's going to help you in the long run because you know i don't know i've definitely done remixes high profile things that just never come out really like they paid me and it's just never come out you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the other end of it. It's not... That's actually probably the most frustrating thing. It's even after, like, you get your bill money or whatever, and they don't even bother to put it out. Like, that's... that's I think that there is the ultimate waste of my time. Because mm. I'm not trying to just do this just to get... I would just ask you for the money. <laughs> 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 and I didn't, didn't tell you to go away. Right? Like... Like yeah, but I'm not gonna do that. Like that's just does that doesn't make sense to me. So it, it doesn't make sense for them to like. I I know things happen. I know things like fall apart. Totally fine. Mm. But yeah, it, when it happens a few times, it gets a little weird. And mm. and that kind of puts it in my head. I'm like, all right, well, you can do that. You have you know you can do that. You know you have the mentality to like make something that's like more of a mainstream thing. Um, but still make it you. But yeah, make sure they follow through on the end of it, the other end of it as well. So, mm. yeah. The business side of music is very difficult. And I think... Yeah, it's so strange. And it sucks <laughs> as well because it does detract. I, I like the idea of having a, your your kind of management of time. Um, and it seems like you're very on top of that where I'm just absolutely not. Um, I like the idea of like a differentiation where you can almost be your own manager because you've differentiated the time out to, yeah. to do that. Yeah, um, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I reckon I've got like three questions that will take us up, um, okay, and be nice things to think about. Um, so first one, can you think of any like major lessons or like yeah, major lessons could be a good one. It's like major things that you've lessons that you've taken um, that have really helped shape like what you're about and where you're. Um, music's out and it doesn't have to be in music it could be you know anything really um and like and within that maybe a smaller piece of advice so a lesson you've learned and a, and a smaller piece of advice for people who i guess are either struggling with their creative process or are 
um, trying to become uh, more sufficient with their creating or yeah. get into the industry, I guess, get into being yeah. creative? Well, <clears throat> the first piece, and it's one that I'm like, you know, with social media and everything, like everybody wants to get their message out first especially in terms of music releases and stuff like that. Um, don't talk about anything till it's ready. <laughs> like period. Like it's, it just, it hits so much harder when you have like the final finished product. And it's been, I've done this so many times to the same result, which is people go, Oh wow. And they're engaged. Like they're engaged to it, you know? Um, yeah. If you, do it in that manner. I think it'll definitely set you apart from like everyone else. It's like, and it actually looks, it just looks way more organized and Oh God, a big announcement. It looks bold as well. Like yeah, bright. it looks exactly. more brave than sort of like testing the water with a little post. Yeah. Um, it's like who, who's down for this? Who's down for that? It's like, no one cares. Just post. Just, uh, I was watching a 30 for 30, the ESPN thing. And there was this coach on there and he said the funniest thing. He's like, don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. <laughs> nice. I was like ah <laughs> nice it sounds like a responsible husband like would no yeah, respons- yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I'm not coming in don't show me the labor well show you, me the you know the, 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 <laughs> no, the no. documentary was about uh, the documentary was about uh, this football this Methodist football uh, team mm-hmm. um, and how it was a Methodist college and how the recruiters were basically paying off the families to get them to like play football or American football anyway, play American football at their college. Hmm. And it was like over the top. Like it got so bad to where they basically killed the entire football team, like got rid of the entire football program. Wow. Like they just got rid of the whole program. They were like, yeah, you are doing the most right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they got rid of the whole thing. So that guy was saying it. And I was like, that's pretty funny coming from him. Because he doesn't care. He's just, like, throwing money at everything, right? But, yeah, yeah I think it goes in the same way with, like, announcing things. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's like, important. yo, just, yeah. It's like, I also, get the process. Like, <laughs> when I was talking to, um, so, like, I did one of these with DRS, and he was just, I mean, I think it's one of the be- better episodes. Not that I, I'm proud of all of them, but the one with Dale is particularly good because I, I think he just... He's got such an understanding. You can tell he's just got such an understanding of himself. Um, yeah. And about the way he likes to work and what he... He's wise, you know, and he said some kind of similar things. It's about, like, knowing who you are and what you're about and being honest about what that is. And the quicker you can get to that, like, outside of music, within music, within whatever you're doing creatively or whatever you're doing in the world, it's like you're going to do everything better because... Yep, yeah, it totally helps, totally helps. You're, you're like, if you think you've cracked something and you're, like, the best in the world at it, then you're that's, that's when you're done, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. If you start getting, like, overconfident, basically, yeah. Um, I play a lot of Tetris, like, a lot of Do Tetris. you? Right. Yeah, tons. Like, I've been playing since I was the Game Boy version or whatever. But that's that has a lot to do with, it. like, when you're on, like, a high level, you're moving really quickly. Like, you know, you can't get too confident in getting your moves because then there will just keep it just keeps getting more random the yeah. pieces just yeah, keep becoming yeah. more random and stuff like that as you go along and uh yeah after a while yeah you lose like because <laughs> it's, it's similar it's like yo you get too confident you get too ahead of yourself then yeah somebody will come that is not 
and basically sweep the legs from right under you on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, you wouldn't realize that. And then that's when people get angry and jaded and bitter and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's uh, the more that I've had these conversations, actually, you sort of realize that so much of getting ahead is actually meant like the mental aspect of it um, yeah. and sort of confidence and understanding and, and getting, I'm not saying I'm doing any of these things to like any great level, but um, I'm just more, I'm, I guess I'm aware of them, but it's also like keeping your ego in check and all that kind of stuff, you know, like. Um, yeah. 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 I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. yeah. No, totally agree on all of that, man. It's just making sure your head's to the ground, your head down and your eyes are open mm. to see what's going on. And that kind of leads into that. The other piece of advice is pretty much uh, not everyone's your friend. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sure. I've learned that one very quickly. Wow. Like, do you mean? Do you just, mean like people who act like they are, but are yeah, just are not. just they want something else from you, and they want other things from you. You mm. know, they especially in the music thing, it's like, all right, cool, like you'll get, you know, X release on big X label or whatever, and then they'll get that from you, and they'll never talk to you again. So I've I've seen that situation happened before to mm. where, yeah, they're kind of using your name for the capital and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, that can be a problem. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good piece of advice there. It's like, yo, just watch, like pay attention to who you're doing your business with. Yeah. I think Make that sure actually, I think that actually speaks to um, the penultimate thing I was going to, get into with you but i thought we have kind of touched on it a little bit um but it's about like what do you think like your responsibilities are like outside of um outside of not outside of music but sort of like with what you're doing do you feel like there's a certain responsibility and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like whittle that down into like a smaller uh question for you to answer but i wonder if you feel like you have any responsibility um with your role yeah, I mean, just making a statement, honestly. Like, mm. I I mentioned a lot of uh, my position in this whole thing. Like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a black DJ that a black American DJ that's spinning dance music, I'm not spinning rap or anything like that. Like, uh, I'm spinning a I'm making a completely different genre from a completely different country. <laughs> mm. you know uh then my other counterparts from detroit you know and detroit has such a crazy history in itself and it's so parallel like i said to um what we do or what you like what the uk does i should say um and just being able to I know, tell that story how there's a how there's a connection here mm. um especially in the tempo that we both do or in those tempo ranges of what, what we do is, yeah, it's important, I think, to me anyway. Um, so I like, I, don't, I I love the history of just dance music in general. And uh, I don't know, I like to like talk, play the history of it, you know, yeah, rather cool. than, um, yeah, than talk about it so much, like all the time. Mm. It's like, oh, well, even my represent mix I just did, uh, yeah, that covered about 30 years. Wow. Of dance music, you know oh. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yo, that's that's important. And I covered yeah. everything from house up to drum and bass, cool. you know. So 
yeah, I, I think like being able to tell the history of it, especially to this new younger audience, is a pretty big responsibility. Yeah, it is, and I and I think actually this speaks to what we were talking about earlier about macro and micro. Like, there's small battles and small responsibilities, which is like the one you just you know like thinking about making sure you're um, educating your audience. Um, And where I want to expand this conversation, and maybe we can revisit this in a few years' time and do another chat about it, but I'm going to chat. I've been chatting to a few people recently about um, like quite a broad societal responsibility for creatives and specifically people in music. So, like, people, yeah, I I, I mean, I've I've thought about it obviously specifically from my own point of view about how I want to restructure and think about being sustainable ecologically and being sustainable, like from a society no that's not the right way of putting it i want i want it to be i want it to be like sustainable in terms of like a business that can actually operate and and not be and not be damaging to the planet but also to be really include to be inclusive to everybody and um, yeah i mean it just takes as much as google searches and jumping on facebook talking to your people's asking me you know who's too dope uh justin um flight from texas he just put me onto a new black producer from uh, it's from, uh, I think he's from, I forget, one of the Carolinas, I think. Mm-hmm. I hope, uh, um, his name is Nisium. Okay. Um, yeah, I actually haven't checked out his music yet, but I'm like, oh wait, you're one of, you're, you're me. Yeah. <laughs> you're like young and you're into drum, drum and bass. I'm like, wait, you're, you're one of me. I'm like, yeah, let me, let me see what you're about. I, I think you've probably nailed it here, but it's like, there's, there's, there's multiple responsibilities and and it's from like an inclusivity standpoint, an ecological standpoint, and also I feel a responsibility to make sure that people, when they come to a club, aren't just presented with like kind of bullshit. Really, like I want yeah. people to have like authentic clubbing experiences Yo, again. For real, like you want the music to sound just as good because like it come, it came to a point where I'd be playing shows and people were just standing and staring at me. I'm like, this isn't a concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm doing some something where my like hands, there's cameras on my hands like dance like go socialize like i'm just playing music back here you know like i don't know that was like my defense mechanism for like a long time i'd be at a house party i'm like oh there's decks oh they're open cool i'm gonna be back here (laughs) (laughs) i just walk back there (laughs) but yeah i mean you know you want to supply good music to people and Mm. i think that's our responsibility I think that's also it's just like an interesting part of the conversation that I hadn't thought about at the beginning of this uh the planning I'd done for the podcast which was to really dig into creative process but also to think that it's just an interesting I think direction to go in where you can start tugging at what people think their responsibility is because obviously there's a responsibility to yourself to make the best art you can make and that's really important to be yes. self-indulgent and to to do that to the best of your uh-huh. ability to best like as we said to best serve your audience but then yep. also outside of that it's like are you thinking about who's doing your artwork and where you're playing and the who's listening yeah and who and the people listening <laughs> yeah really like yeah you want to make really listening to your shit <laughs> and also making sure you're operating a business that isn't like damaging the earth i know that sounds yeah like yeah it's, it's yeah. quite all-encompassing and macro but i mean damaging the industry honestly mm. like if you're doing stuff to where it's like you're just taking 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 you're not giving anything back i mean you see the label you see the label that's going through it right now mm. like yeah it's like they if you just take 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 and it's like you're not doing anything to like match that the person that is you know 
that that sees it is going to call it out. And if you're not backing that up, you know, <laughs> or if you're not going, hey, we actually do this, like, you know, stop, you know, stop trying to slander us, basically. Mm. But they don't. Like, nobody, like, the, the people that are getting called out aren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything to begin with. Mm. So here we are, you know. <laughs> I think really what's going to be interesting to see is, like, where we're at in a year. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens with that. Yeah. And I think it's about, from my perspective, it's a bit about being a better ally, basically, I think. One, yeah, um, yeah, I feel that. And, like, reckoning with all the kind of really uncomfortable stuff that should yeah. feel uncomfortable, you know? Um, yeah. And having those conversations and reading, reading. Well, them. even on our end, then even our end as men, honestly, got to yeah. be better allied. Like the women that are coming up uh, in music and like production and stuff like that. Like, yeah, make sure you know they're getting put the same plays in the much as next person or yeah. not much as next man. You know, like much as the the men. You yeah. know, like there's there's so many great DJs and producers that are women out there. I mean, I've been I did a mix for Anna Morgan a while back mm-hmm. when when Radar was a thing. And uh, yeah, that was my my whole mix was like women and women that were like uh, that owned labels basically, and uh, yeah, but I you know I did it in a sense of like oh here's a mix I did for you like not oh my gosh like can you let them know that I'm doing a mix of yeah. all women like oh my god it's ladies night like yeah. no <laughs> yeah. like I'm done like I'm done off of that I want to play like good music by group of people these group of women and. That's just how it's going to go down. Well, you're basically anyway. just, a, you're more aware of your responsibility then. And, or you, or you feel it in a way that maybe other people hadn't considered me, myself included. Yeah. It's more of an action thing. Just do it. Yeah. Like, don't even sit there and like, try to like process like how you're going to like say it or like how you're going to present the mix or whatever. Mm. Just like list it as it was any old podcast or any old like mix series or whatever. And then just play, play the tunes. Cause then people in list the track listing. And then when people see it, they're like, oh, wow, like, these are all, like, black producers. Like, dope. Mm. Like, <laughs> I can, like, look at these people. So when people talk to me about it, I can probably just hand them this whole mix and be like, hey, check these people out. Yeah. You know? that That's, like, that's, like, the best way I've gone about it. That's the best way I tell people to go about it is mix it the same way, to play like, play these tracks the same way that you would play anyone else's tracks, you know? Like, that's kind of the point with, like, all of it. Like we want to be inclusive, so yeah. the best way to include it is to include it in the most normal way you know how. You know, mm. just play it, play the tunes, rinse it. Like you know, tell people about it. So that's how that's how the word spreads around. And it's yeah. like what you said earlier about this needing to be intersectional. Um... Yeah, it has to be. Like I mean, I know the history enough of dance music to know how like diversity is yeah it still is and then you know there's like still such a diverse audience and it's different for me in drum and bass and that's kind of what i was touching on like um in terms of the american side of things because i have to work like triply <laughs> as hard to, to get that you know a lot of people don't or a lot of people didn't realize i was from the states and then they, it didn't no, no no attitude changed on that or whatever but it was just like Oh wow! Like yeah, they they thought they were gonna like be snapping me up in the UK and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't play I didn't play London until like 2014. 
Wow. Or something like that. So, you know what I mean? But I think there's... Because, because... And this is symptomatic of the label thing, is that... Yeah. Like... They don't want to sign necessarily someone from the states because they might not be able to chuck them on their lineup in the, in London easily. Yeah. For example, I'm yeah. not saying that is the case, but it could be like definitely part. I mean, of the yeah, thinking. that's that's basically like kind of the I, that was kind of the ideas I had in my head, but I was still like, oh, mm. still give you music anyway. Yeah, so that would it'd be cool to have some stuff like you know they were hitting me up about it and stuff like that. So I was like, cool, I'll make you some stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, that's all good. But yeah, I mean, it's important like. Uh, yeah, just to have a space for everybody to be able to do their thing. Like, there's so many great stories about um, producers and DJs that are, like, trans and that are, you know, Black women and mm. that are, you know, that were around at one point in time. But, you know, you always hear the story of storming chemistry, which you should all the time. Like, mm. you ever should be tell, talking about that story. But, you know, Flight's still here. Chickaboo's still here. You know what I'm saying? Like... Mm. Like all these people are like around and stuff like that, and um, they've been talking inclusion. They've been talking like uh, making this an everything, an everybody thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. It 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 wasn't. I can say it wasn't us yeah. <laughs> that wasn't listening. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it does come down in our little world to not like. If 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 it's done on mass in terms of inclusion and stuff like that, no one gets sort of forgotten. If that makes sense, because yeah. this is where it becomes um, at odds with the market, like so to speak, the money side. Like for example, if I'm an outlier insisting on X and Y and Z, then I just become shut down, silent, gone. Um, right. And selfishly, that is no good for me. I mean. It's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do is to speak on it and to to be the one who has principles. And I do have principles, but it's it's now seems like the time when everyone can move on mass and make shit happen. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, like I said, just you know, going back to what I was saying about the uh, just doing, just taking action mm. and doing it. Yeah, mm. it's just a matter of just taking action. It's um, there's taking action and then positioning. <laughs> yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know if you're really if you really like understand what is going on like it, it shouldn't even be a afterthought or anything it's just do it you know mm, yeah. um but if you yeah if, if it's something that like oh you know you need some sort of nuance you need some sort of like yeah. uh guidance or something uh especially when it comes to this still debate with race and intersectionality and mm. uh gender and stuff yeah talk to those people that talk yeah. to those marginalized folks. So make sure, you know, talking to your friends <laughs> that are around you, because I'm sure a lot of like people have, you know, different marginalized friends around them and stuff like that. If you don't, then I don't know, like Google it, you know, <laughs> like Google stuff. Like, uh, And also the thing is at the moment, there's never been such an abundance of great resources shared. Um, oh my God. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's like, don't even call me. It's like just yeah. literally on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's important. <clears throat> that, that is part of the responsibility of um, of being someone with a platform and a voice and a, you know, I think, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was like anyone that has a problem with musicians having sort of opinions and uh, being political doesn't really understand that musicians and creatives are supposed to reflect and show 
shine a light on the world around yeah. them. And, um, yeah, this whole thing was political. I think like it, a lot of these people come from the guitar and campfire uh, uh, crew. So yeah. <laughs> they don't understand like what the actual history of like this was this whole thing is but then there's there's you know kind of uh admitting your ignorance yeah and in changing and kind of like moving on from there mm. and then there's those people that are like nope i like being ignorant yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you're seeing a lot of that happen yeah so. for sure yeah weird mm. cool <laughs> so, man it's been great to have you on i'm gonna ask you one more question um I'm glad we managed to make it work, even though I fucked up the time difference, FYI. Oh, it's um, all good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the last question is the one that I've basically asked every other person that's been on, um, and it's get to your deathbed. What does success look like? What would success have looked like in your life? Um, and what will you be happy with having achieved? Um, um, yeah, this whole thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah this entire music thing that i did this is the one thing i think i've like really set my guns to for a really long time and it's it has pretty much given back to me in many different ways um i got to see a bunch of places that i probably you know would have seen like a third of if i was on like a class trip or something like that on like a college like internship or something like that you know a lot of those travel things try to like keep you in a certain a designated area <laughs> yeah. and doesn't really like you're not with a local that's like okay we're gonna go to this spot you know we're gonna go to this like warehouse we're gonna go to this like uh-huh. you know weird part of town like you know <laughs> you get to experience a lot i got to experience a lot of that so yeah this place this this stuff took me everywhere and uh yeah i'm definitely gonna be thinking about that like later on i still have time more things to do <laughs> I guess within that, I guess actually I can probably whittle this one down a little bit in yeah. terms of uh, a success or yeah. in terms of what success looks like for you. Like what, what do you want to have achieved or, and also not just within music, just within sort of, um, I guess, I guess this, this question kind of speaks to the relationship between real life and music and mm-hmm. what that, not real life. That's a silly way of putting it, but like, <laughs> um, your life outside of music, if there is one, and what the whole holistically, what the success looks like, and what you've achieved, and what's what's there for you, I guess. Ah, my parents brag about me. That's cool. That is cool because <laughs> they, they they weren't into that. They weren't into it before. <laughs> they were like, ah, you know, you should finish school. You should actually like, you know, do other things. But I finished school. I went to, you know, I I got a comms degree, all that a communications degree, all that good stuff. But at that time, you know, at I, I did that and to be able to like give my parents like magazines and stuff like that with my face in it. That's like, really cool. And yeah, it, that that's, I think that's pretty dope because my parents like kind of worked hard for, you know, to get me, uh, where to, to give me a good opportunity. Yeah. And so I guess, I guess actually if I was going to distill what you've just said, it's basically to like leave your mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that seems to be like, that is very important to everyone, isn't it? We wouldn't be creatives if we didn't want to make a little mark in yeah. the world in some way. I don't know. Totally. Um, yeah, I could say I did that, you know. Yeah. And that's important because we get uh, we get one. Yeah. <laughs> we get this one. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like you got to make it count. Yeah. That's so, a pretty wise yeah. thing to say, mate. Um, 
really nice to have you on, man. Thank you for uh, speaking to me for ages. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me.